Welcome into another edition of Bench Bums. Cam Summers here with Anthony Baird. First thing we're going to talk about today, we're just going to jump right into it. Lamar Jackson, a lot of controversy about his contract. Should he get paid? How much should he get paid? How long of a term should the Ravens agree to? Anthony, uh, what are your thoughts? Do you think he deserves to be a top five paid quarterback in this league? I say pay Lamar Jackson. Pay him. So, look. I, I thought about this. I actually took some time to think about this. And I think the Ravens are in a position to win right now. They've built the roster for right now. They had a ton of injuries last year. We're going to talk more about the AFC North later. But we see this where teams think, and maybe we don't see this, but there's we have this discussion. Oh, should we get rid of the quarterback? Is he worth it? We heard it with Baker Mayfield. Unless you have a better option on the table, you cannot not pay your uh, MVP 37-12 and 12 in his career quarterback. So Lamar Jackson wins football games. The NFL is about winning football games. He has no playoff wins. But you know what? He's 25, and he wins a lot of football games. So pay Lamar Jackson. Pay Lamar Jackson, and you think sign him to a, a long-term deal similar to that of uh, Patrick Mahomes, where um, it was a no, not a ten year, not you know Lamar. You know he's he's not the passer that Mahomes is, so you don't you don't give him a ten year like kajillion dollar contract. You you give him a, like a three or a four year deal, you guarantee a lot of that money. Um, you don't give him all guaranteed like Deshaun Watson, but you pay him like a top end quarterback because he wins football games like a top end quarterback. He's a part of that winning. We can't argue that. And he's won an MVP, so I think you have to pay him. He's shown improvement as a passer, and I think he hasn't really been given much in terms of weapons. Mark Andrews is good. Um, Hollywood Brown is good, but he's he's not a number one receiver. So, you you come on. Pay Lamar Jones. See, I, I'm on the other side of the coin a little bit there. I think that, you know, you pay him, like you said, maybe not quite as much as you're saying, but um, I guess my my reasoning behind that is he sat out quite a few games this past year with injury. Um, that ankle injury really sure. bothered him. I'm curious to see how not only that affects him this year, but also how many injuries he sustains because he plays the type of football that is not a sustainable type of football, especially at the quarterback position. To He does a really good job of not taking a ton of hits um, most of the time. However, against the Dolphins last year, he just was getting clobbered over and over and over again. So while I think that you need to pay him more than he's getting paid now, because as I look at these numbers, um, you know, just a few quarterbacks that are making more than Lamar Jackson. Uh, they include Taylor Heineke, Dwayne Haskins, Andy Dalton, Colt McCoy, Joe Flacco, like a bunch of backups. Um, yeah, I think he's still on his rookie he, deal. He is still on his rookie deal, but, I mean, you you got to pay him more than that, but I guess in the, in the long run, you know, are you looking to pay him the you know 45 million a year that you're paying Patrick Mahomes I just don't do it um 
Is he a franchise quarterback? Absolutely. He hasn't proven that he can win in the playoffs. I mean, let's just go through the top uh, five paid quarterbacks in the league right now. Aaron Rodgers, Deshaun Watson, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Matt Stafford. Three of those guys have a Super Bowl win, and the other two have proved... Uh, uh, have right. proved that they can win in the playoffs. So we are a win-now league. We are a league where you have to show me what you got now. I mean, how many... Uh, I'm not trying to compare Lamar Jackson to Blake Bortles at all, but Blake Bortles got to an AFC uh, championship game. Lamar can't even win a playoff game. And Lamar is head and shoulders above Blake Bortles. I mean... Yeah, he is, but you have to show up when it counts. You can't just show up when you're playing the Browns of old. The Browns, when Lamar started, weren't that good. Um, They've improved. The Bengals, when Lamar started, were horrid. This year, you know, they were great. But before they got Burrow, they weren't very good. You know, Steelers, it's always a knockdown, dragout game with the Steelers. I feel like Ravens always win one, Steelers always win one. So when you, I mean when you're looking at that, you know, other teams that they're playing until the last couple of years, the AFC in general hasn't been super strong. You look across the board, you know, Miami until, you know, the last couple of years was terrible. The Jets are always terrible. Uh, the Bills until Josh Allen weren't very good, and then you go to the AFC West. Other than Mahomes and the Chiefs, you know. Who, who did you have out there that you had to worry about? So all in all, the AFC wasn't that strong. So this 37-12, and 12, that looks great. But now that all, their, all this firepower has come to the AFC, the AFC West we talked about last week, it's just a – it's going to be, you know, cutthroat out in the Wild West. And the AFC North is going to be insane as well. So realistically, I like what you said about the three-year deal. I would give him a three-year deal, and as hard as this is to say, I feel like he's worth more around that, you know, $30 million a year range, that Ryan Tannehill, Matt Ryan range, as opposed to that Patrick Mahomes, Deshaun Watson, Aaron Rodgers range. I've heard people say he could get as yeah. much as Aaron Rodgers does with the $50 million a year, and if he does, good for him. But if I'm the Ravens, I'm not pulling that trigger because that puts me in such a financial bind. I mean, look at the rest of the Packers roster. They lost Devontae Adams. You look at the Chiefs. They lost Tyreek Hill. I'm not doing that to my team. I'll pay you, but I'm not going to make it to where I can't afford to keep anybody else. Well, you have to look at when these contracts were given. So to bring up Ryan Tannehill, which total blasphemy, like complete disrespect to – Lamar Jackson for comparing him to Ryan Tannehill. I mean, Carson Wentz, talk about injuries. $32 million a year. Kirk Cousins, are you kidding me? Kirk Cousins, Jared Goff, $33 million a year, and I know you wouldn't agree with that contract no. anyway. But first of all, when did Matthew Stafford literally just won? I mean, he's in his mid-30s or, you know, right around his mid-30s. So to compare him to, to Stafford, I mean, Stafford got paid early. Um, 
it's not it's not you can't just look at the quarterback numbers and say pay him this it, it depends on when that contract was given and right now the market for quarterbacks for top end quarterbacks is mid 30s to 40 million 40 50 million dollars a year so let's be honest lamar jackson's probably not taking a three-year contract if he's got a good agent he's not taking a three-year contract he's going to take a four or five with like a clause for an opt-out or a no trade clause something like you know you got to add that stuff in there but look if you don't pay lamar jackson then what then what you go get jimmy garoppolo that's fair jimmy garoppolo might i mean he could probably win with the ravens go to the playoffs but i think if the ravens believe that lamar jackson is good enough to win playoff games and win a super bowl you pay him do you not think lamar jackson's good enough to win a playoff game just because he hasn't won, do you think he's good enough to win a playoff game in the AFC? I mean, let's look at the other, the quarterbacks he's likely to face in the playoffs this year. Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Russell Wilson, you know, all three of which I think are better than Lamar Jackson. Um, so, and I, realistically, you brought up those other contracts. I'm not saying that he should be paid less than those guys. Those guys aren't as good as him. But at the same point, those guys aren't worth that much either. Um, we're getting to the point where you have to pick and choose who you want. And one contract that I want to bring up, and he's been doing this for years, is Tom Brady. He's making $25 million this year. That's half of what Aaron Rodgers is making. Oh, but let's let's look at the receiving core. Let's look at, oh, I, I love the memes that go, oh, my gosh, how does Brady do it? How does he always win? Well, he makes half the amount of money and says, hey, Mike Evans, do you want to buy in on this too? You want to, you know, come for cheap and play and win? Sure. Okay, Chris Godwin, yeah, you come along too. Oh, yeah, we'll bring uh, Russell Gage over to Bring me all these weapons. Build me a defense because I'm going to leave my team enough money to develop a winning team, which is something that if you look at the Chiefs, they lost Tyreek. The Packers lost Adams. I mean, you, you look across the board at the highest paid uh, quarterbacks, Josh Allen. You know, a lot of guys for the Bills are not on huge contracts. Yeah, they signed Von Miller. They just extended Stephon Diggs to a big contract. But they don't have a lot of big pay guys on that roster. It's a well-coached team, and just like the Ravens, but the Ravens are going to have some contracts coming up that they're going to have to make some decisions on. They don't have a number one receiver, but Mark Andrews, he's definitely a top tight end. Yeah, those tight end contracts are pretty low. It's a conversation for another day about what tight end should be paid for a top tight end, but I, I mean, the question is, should they pay Lamar Jackson? And if I say if you say no, you need some sort of another plan. It's your plan to draft and try and find another rookie quarterback that can lead you to the promised land or a young quarterback who you can get on a rookie deal to lead you to that, that promised land. Well, teams are always trying to do that, and there's only a handful of guys that can actually get it done. So I'm not saying give him a top contract, give him one of the top five contracts, but the market dictates what quarterbacks get paid and look get Lamar for as cheap as you can get him 
But if it comes down to $40 million a year or no Lamar Jackson, I'm paying it. And I get the argument that you can't build a team if you pay a quarterback that much. I'm not sure I buy it um, because there's still 52 other players you got to put on that roster and pay. So draft well. Draft well on defense. Draft well on offense. And you won't be stuck with paying a bunch of you know, free agents and top-end guys because you drafted poorly. So I think you can still pay your quarterback and fill out a good roster. I don't buy that. You can't. Well, we can agree to disagree on that last point because there ain't enough money to go around for everybody. But um, talk. Well, look at look at the Browns. The Browns have a great roster, and they're paying Deshaun Watson. I think the Browns are a perfect example that you can pay a quarterback and get Amari Cooper, Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, Miles My- Garrett, all these other players. It'll be interesting to see, you know, they not only paid Deshaun Watson, you mentioned drafting well, okay? So at what point are these other guys going to need more money? At what point are you going to have to extend your your cornerbacks? Are you going to have to extend your safeties, your linebackers, all these guys that will want more money depending on how the market dictates it, but you've given up all of these draft picks, so you can't draft well. So... I mean, you talk about you you got to either spend the money and save the draft picks and draft well, or you got to, you know, not spend the money. And, I mean, what are the Browns doing? They're in a good situation this year, but I know we're in a win-now win league, but looking down the road, I think Deshaun Watson's in trouble. Yeah, the Rams, the Broncos, expensive quarterback, good roster. Yeah for now and I mean as a Broncos fan I, I feel the same way you know we, we're going to have all these guys that we're going to have to pay and we're not going to be able to so you know guys that guys that you got to lock up it's yeah. you're in a catch 22 but you got to win now I agree you, you can't extend them forever you can't have this thing forever but if you want to win now do you want to win now or do you want to try and be good now and still be good later great now and still really good later so I, that's, a, that's a philosophical question for these owners it is. And DMs, but. so we've talked a lot about Lamar Jackson and you know he is a great quarterback but there's a lot of great quarterbacks in the AFC North let's talk about now who we think the best quarterback in the AFC North is going to be we've got Joe Burrow, Deshaun Watson, Lamar Jackson and Mitchell Trubisky Think, I think after this year, well, so let me start with four. Mitch Trubisky, Absolutely. can we both agree on that? We agree Mitch Trubisky is number four. Um, number three, man, that's tough. So are we talking like who would I want to start my franchise no, with? No, performance-wise this year. Or what? This upcoming year, this who year. we think is going to be the top performing quarterbacks? Well, I mean, I don't even know if Desha- is Deshaun Watson going to play this whole season. I, and I think that's honestly, like it'd had, be tough, you know, until we find out. I might put him at four because if he's going to sit out ten games and Trubisky starts all seventeen, Trubisky's numbers are going to be better than Watson's. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I, 
I, I'm going to say Deshaun Watson might get eight games. He might get the full season. Um, He's still getting paid. That makes it really difficult. So I'm going to I'm going to put Deshaun Watson at three, just because I think the other two quarterbacks are really good, and I think the NFL probably should suspend. Even though he sat out for a full year, I think they probably should suspend Deshaun Watson. So I'm going to put Deshaun Watson at three. If he was playing, uh, let's just say he would not be. Or if he was playing, yeah, he would not be my number three quarterback. I think he's better than that. Yeah, I mean, at number three. But for the sake of this. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Number three, uh, I would have Deshaun Watson there as well, just because of so many question marks. However, I would have him at three irregardless. Uh, whether he was playing the full season or whether he um, was – is suspended. You know, we don't know yet, but one way or the other, I'm having him at number three. We mentioned he sat out all of last year. I think that that's going to affect him more than some people think when he comes back. I think he will be a little rusty. The timing won't be there. He's new team, new teammates. He's going to be a little rusty this year. Next year, or not this upcoming, but the 2024 season, you know, I, I would probably put him number one. But coming into this year, I think he's going to be that rusty. Wow. Um, so I'm, I'm going to do Deshaun Watson at three. But like I said, either way, he's at three for me. And at number two, I'm going to slide Lamar Jackson in there at number two. I know we talked about how great he is and the contract issue and whatnot. But if he can stay healthy, even if he can't stay healthy, I still think he's going to be the number two. But for me... He just hasn't set himself apart. Um, and one thing, the number one reason why I'm putting Joe Burrow at number one is because they have gone out and got him an offensive line. This offseason they have gone out and they have made it their goal to protect him. It's not just going to help his numbers, as he was sacked more than any other quarterback last year. It's also going to help the running game. So if the running game can produce, then opens play-action pass. You've got T. Higgins and Jamar Chase, you know, two of the faster receivers in the league. I mean, his receiving core is just insane, which also is another reason because Lamar Jackson's yeah. receiving core is nowhere near as good. Yeah, I think we're – I mean, we agree on this, obviously. Lamar Jackson at number two for pretty much all the reasons that you said, I mean – think Joe Burrow at number one just he had a great year last well he had, a, he had a good regular season last year I wouldn't call it great um, obviously a great playoff run but I mean Jamar Chase T Higgins Tyler Boyd um, and the main thing the offensive line is there so I think Joe Burrow's going to have a great year um, I, I expect his upward trajectory to continue as a quarterback Remember, he had an injury early in his career, so he's still younger in the NFL. His age would suggest, so I still think there's a lot of room for growth for Joe Burrow. Lamar Jackson, um, I expect him to bounce back and be healthier. Um, I would hope that the Ravens would pass the ball more and run him less to keep to extend his career, unless they plan on just franchise tagging him and then letting him walk. Then you, uh, you know... The NFL, what they do, run your running back into the ground, 200-plus carries, and then, eh, well, we're not going to give you a big contract. So 
anyway, yeah, I think Joe Burrow has a great year. Lamar Jackson did too. I'm going to give you a comp, Cam. You tell me if okay. you think this is accurate. I hope that Lamar Jackson is not Tracy McGrady as an NBA player. I hope that he doesn't end up being like Tracy McGrady. Flashy, amazing to watch, incredible to watch. You could argue like he's a top player in the league based on performance, based on stats, based on how he can dominate a game and just wow you. But then you get to the playoffs and it's like, you didn't really show up how we expected you to show up. So I'm not saying that's my comp, but right now I hope that he's not a Tracy well, McGrady. Well, and one thing with Tracy McGrady is that he also couldn't stay healthy the later it got in his career. And so is this the beginning of that decline with Lamar Jackson? We'll only be able to find out this upcoming year. But um, I think that's a great comparison. Um, Tracy McGrady obviously is very, very well known for, what was it, 11 points in like 10 seconds or something ridiculous like that. Don't remind me. Yeah, that was against the Spurs. So, um, but uh, yeah, I mean, he was an incredible player with you know all the potential in the world, all the talent in the world. Um, but when the lights shine brightest, he didn't show up, and then with the injuries, they got him. So I think that's a very fair comparison. Like you said, I hope that's not the case with Lamar Jackson. Um, but at this point in his career, I'd say that that's a very fair comparison. Well, we agree on the quarterback situation there. Um, one of the more talented quarterback divisions in the NFL. I think that Deshaun Watson. We've talked a lot about Deshaun Watson, so I'm going to move on from Deshaun Watson for today. Um, so let's let's transition into. Uh, you want to do our AFC North projections now, or should we wait till the end? I think we just show? do it right now. Okay, so AFC North projections. Uh, really talented division, like we said. A lot of always a strong division. Not always a strong division. As of late, a strong division. Uh, now that our Browns and Bengals are legitimate uh, teams. So, who do you have at number four? At number four, man, this is tough. As much as I hate to do this, I'm going to put the Steelers at number four just because of the quarterback that they have. I think Trubisky has great potential to do big things. Their defense is amazing. However, I don't think that they have enough talent on that roster. Um, but it's hard. The, the hardest part for me on this is that Mike Tomlin has never had a losing season in 15 years. So I, I almost hate to, to bet against him. But I got the Steelers coming in at number four, um, barring no Deshaun Watson suspension. If Deshaun Watson gets suspended for um, eight, 10, 17 games, um, I would say Browns are going to be in the bottom just because Jacoby Brissett, he ain't the guy. You know, I, I've, got, I've, I've got the Browns finishing it four. I do think Deshaun Watson gets some games, and even if he played the full year, I, for some reason, I'm just not convinced the Browns this year are going to be a lot of offseason turmoil with the Browns, the fan base, between Baker, Sean, 
Um, it, I just I just think this is going to be a maybe a tougher year for the Browns than people people think. Um, I could be wrong. If Deshaun Watson plays the full year, comes in ready to go, motivated, you know, this is a good team. But I, for now, I've got the Browns finishing four. I don't think they'll be terrible. I think they'll be good. I think they might even hang around and possibly contend for a playoff spot into the second half of the season. But um, I trust that. Like, I, I trust that Steelers organization, coaching staff. I think they've upgraded yeah. a quarterback um, in some other positions, and I think. That, well, I've kind of given it away. I think the Steelers come in at number three. Yeah, I mean, I think that's very possible. I have the Browns coming in at number three. I think we both kind of hit on why we think that it could go either way there. Um, but I think your trust in the Steelers, and honestly, um, I don't know why I trust the Browns to come in third. <laughs> they have a terrible track record. Uh, the turmoil, the absolute garbage that they put on the field for two years winning one game. Um, I don't know why I'm trusting the Browns to come in third. Um, I'm a, Before all this legal stuff, I was a huge Deshaun Watson fan. I'm still not sure how I feel about him now. Um, but I, I have a lot of faith in Deshaun Watson. Um, like I said, Jacoby Brissett's not the guy. He won't be the guy. Formidable backup. He can come in and and play against a, a Jets team and get you a win, but I don't know if he can play against some of these other teams in the division and get you a win uh, when you need it most. And and really, the looking across the field at the defenses, I think the Browns have the worst defense in the division um, with all the Ravens players that are coming back from injury. Um, I'm almost talking myself out of putting the Browns in third, but I'm going to stick with them there, stick with the Browns in third. You think that you think the Bengals defense is better than the Browns defense? I do. Even with some of the losses, I think okay. that the Bengals defense is better than the Browns. Um, I think that in the draft, the Bengals are going to address possibly some secondary help, um, draft a, a, another defensive back. But um, realistically, the the pressure on the quarterback that they were able to sustain, and they did a great job against the run last year. So. Okay. Well, who do you have uh, finishing I have the, first? I have the Bengals coming in first. Um, not necessarily because of their defense. I don't necessarily think they have the best defense in the division. But I think that they have the best weapons in the division. Um, across the board offensively, I mean, we already named it. Um, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, Joe Mixon uh, in there with... Joe Burrow in an offensive line that should be much improved, uh, at least it should be with the amount of money that they've spent this offseason. I mean, you look at that, I don't see how they're not first um, coming off a Super Bowl loss. I don't, maybe a little bit of a Super Bowl hangover uh, could uh, be in effect, but um, one thing that that Joey B doesn't do is he doesn't lose. and uh, I saw an interview from when he was in high school and when he lost a game, and he said, I don't like this. I'm going to make sure it never happens again. I don't like the way this feels. And so I, I could see that being the case. You know, he's going to come in focused. He's going to come in ready. He's going to put in the work. Um, if you can't tell, I'm a, I'm a huge Joe Burrow fan. Um, but I think 
not only is he the best quarterback in the division, he has the best weapons, and honestly, Bengals have the best roster in my opinion. Yeah, I think if um, I think if both of these, we'll say all things were the same as last year, and both teams were healthy, I would have picked the Ravens to win the division. They were on a roll last year, but I think the off season, I've got the, I think the Bengals have passed. Well, they they the Ravens they passed them last year. They slaughtered them last year too when they played. But um, I've got the Bengals winning the division as well. I think. The addition of the three offensive linemen, Lyle Collins, uh, Alex Kappa, and Ted Karras. Yep. I think I got those. Yeah, Ted Karras. Um, plus, as I mentioned, the maturation of Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, some of these younger players. And whether or not momentum is real, I believe that the Bengals have momentum moving into next year. You mentioned the Super Bowl hangover. I think for a young team like this, I think they can build on it, especially when they're building on the roster that they have with Joe Burrow on a rookie deal. So I like the Bengals to win the division. I think the Ravens, um, if they can stay healthy, I think they can hang right there with you know their consistency as a team. But I think Joe Burrow is past Lamar Jackson. At, quarterback play in that in that division and I think his weapons are much better as all the things you mentioned I, I want to ask you this what are your thoughts on uh, I forget his name Zach Taylor as a coach Zach Taylor took a lot of heat has taken a lot of heat and, until the Bengals got to the Super Bowl and then all of a sudden a lot of Cincinnati fans kind of changed their mind on him. yeah so I'm not sold on Zach Taylor as a head football coach. He had a fantastic year. Uh, he made a few decisions I was a l not entirely sure of throughout the year, but at the same point, you know, he's a, a young and learning head coach. When they hired him, I thought, what are they doing? But the more I watch how he interacts with the players, he's, he's a player's coach. And anymore, that's, that's something that's very important. You have to have a coach that gets the players that the yep. players want to play for. Um, and he seems like the kind of coach that his team will rally behind him um, and, and play hard for him. However, I think this past season is less about Zach Taylor and more about who he put around him. Because as a head coach, you're only as good as your weakest assistant coach. All the assistants that he has put in place has built him up to where he has become a, a very, very good head coach. I'm not going to say a great head coach. He had a very good season. So we'll see how he builds on it from here. However, having that foundation of good assistance, and you have to be a good coach to be able to get good assistance to come coach for you. You have to be somebody that is personable, that they believe in. You know, you can't just get the players to believe in you. You have to get your assistants to believe in you, too. To get the assistants to come and coach with you and alongside you, you have to instill a belief that you believe in them and that they believe in you. And that's something that I think that the Bengals, especially with that run that they had this past year, they've really done. And so I would say Zach Taylor's you know, no longer on the hot seat. And I don't know what it is with sports fans in Ohio, but... They're always wanting the coach's head. 
and I don't get it, um, but I, because I really like Stefanski too. I like Stefanski in Cleveland as a head coach. Um, I think he did really yeah. great things, not last year, but the year before. Um, and honestly, with the new quarterback, I'm really excited to see what he draws up offensively. And I, th- I feel like the the style that he plays with uh, really fits the Cleveland mentality, kind of a hard-nosed, run-the-ball um, play action. You know, it's, it's very tough. It fits the mentality of Cleveland. So I'm excited for that too. But like I said, Ohio sports fans always calling for the coach's head. Look, if Marvin Lewis made it that long in Cincinnati right. without winning a playoff game, he'll Jack retire. Taylor then. will never, will never lose yeah. his job in Cincinnati. <laughs> well, what we see happen is, and I think we saw this with the with the Browns. As soon as your team wins, right, you, you keep losing, you keep losing. The expectations are low. As soon as as soon as you show signs of like life and being a contender. The expectations skyrocket. So I think for Cincinnati, Zach Taylor will have a well. Then again, Mike Brown. I mean, he's he's a loyal guy. So, but I think the expectations are going to be raised as they should be in Cleveland. Cleveland shows some hope. They almost beat the Chiefs in the playoffs, and all of a sudden they're like, you know what, Baker Mayfield. We appreciate the playoff win. We appreciate right. the run. You're out of here. So, like you said. Ohio sports fans, you know, and it's probably anywhere, but I think you made a really good point about giving Zach Taylor time to grow. We saw that right. with McVay. He didn't show the greatest performance in the Super Bowl against the Patriots. In fact, it was pathetic offensively. But you keep him around. The players love him. Great energy. Seems like an awesome coach for the players, and they play for him. And what, what happens? They get rewarded with the Super Bowl, so... If you hire a young coach, don't expect them to be Andy Reid, Bill Belichick seasoned. You know, expect growth, and I think that's that's fair when you hire a young coach, Matt Lafleur in Green Bay, even Kyle Shanahan. You know, he's a great coach already, but he's still going to have to grow, uh, and probably will. Yeah, I like what you said about growth there. If you're hiring a young coach, you almost have to give him, I feel, five years. You know, most coaches I like to say you give them three years, and if it ain't working, it, you know the players don't want to play for them. I mean, look at the the Broncos situation with Vic Fangio. He was there for three years, and by the end of this last year, he lost the locker room. Probably before this last season even started, he had lost the locker room. Um, the defensive players respected him. The offensive players, not so much, because he he didn't have that balance of being able to be a players' coach as well as manage the defense and the offense. And, you know, he's a great defensive coordinator. Never going to take that away from him. Their defense was still very good this year. But after three years with an older coach, you know. With a younger coach, Matt LaFleur, Zach Taylor, Sean McVay, you, you give them five years, I think. If, if you have an expectation of going less than five years with a young coach, I think you're setting the bar way too uh, high, and it's going to be really hard for them to attain that. Yeah, it feels right. like they hired a young coach as well, and it's kind of the direction that these teams are going. Uh, there's a, there's a balance between being a player's coach and also having the respect. Like, 
Jason Garrett in Dallas, they kept him for too long. Mike McCarthy, they're probably going to keep him for too long. And I think I think if the players don't hate the coach, but they necessarily don't love the coach and they're still playing hard because they don't hate the coach, you know, I, the guy's at least got to be a good coach. And so, anyway, Cowboys Trade hire Sean Payton. But, well, hey, and let's, uh, that's a good segue into trade. our next thing because the Saints, after next season, would be able to trade Sean Payton to recoup from the butt smack that they got from the Eagles. All right, so okay, Cameron, break down that trade. What what are the what are the trades here? What are the picks that are being traded? Okay, so what does that look like? The Saints. Made a trade with the Eagles. Uh, the Saints are going to get the 15th and the 19th pick this year, as well as a sixth rounder. The Eagles get the 18th pick. A third. Is it 16 or 15? It is 16. My, I've got 16. My bad. I had a. Uh, yep, my bad on that. 16th, 19th, and sixth rounder. The Eagles get the 18th pick, a third rounder a seventh rounder, a 2023 first rounder, and a 2024 second rounder. Um, so that's the, a little bit of the breakdown. So the Eagles at one point had three first rounders. Now they have two. They swapped essentially. The way I'm viewing this is essentially a swap of a, of a pick, and then the Saints get another first rounder in exchange for a lot. And you say totally. I'm saying the Eagles bent over the Saints and spanked them and sent them to bed without dinner. <laughs> is that is that partly because the Saints next year are going to suck and that first round pick is going to be really good? Well, I or? I think that there's too many question marks in the Saints facility to make that kind of a, a move to have mid to late. I mean. Really, they're middle, middle first round picks. It's not top ten picks. It's not you're giving up a lot to swap picks. You know, they had the 18th. Now they have the 16th and the 19th. You're basically in the same spot that you were in. Uh, not much movement there. You just have two of them, and then you're trading a first rounder uh, next year as well. When we don't know what is going to happen with Alvin Kamara. We don't know um, what this quarterback situation is going to be like. Right now they're riding with Jameis, famous Jameis Winston, you know. Um, but how many teams have successfully won with famous Jameis? Zero. A big fat goose egg. Um, so, yeah, I think the, the big reason why I feel this way is, you know, if Kamara is suspended um, and you're running with Jameis, I'm looking at that first rounder next year possibly being, you know, 10, 11, 12 range, in, in my opinion. So if, if you're the Eagles, you're not necessarily playing for this year. Yeah, you made the playoffs last year, but, I mean, you got to also think long-term as well. So you're giving up what I would view as, so say the 18th and the 19th are swapped, basically the same. For your 16th pick, in return for your 16th and a 6th rounder, you get a 
first next year, a second in two years, a third this year, and a seventh this year. This year. So when you're looking across the board, so a sixth in the 16th pick for a first, second, third, and seventh. I do that in a heartbeat. Yeah, unless the Saints have a plan with for packaging those picks and so I guess if, if you're the up, Saints, what uh, what are you thinking look, making this trade? What are what are your end goals? Because they've got some holes that they need to fill and they could fill yeah. a couple of those holes at sixteen and nineteen, but if you're making that big of a move and giving up that much, I feel like they can't be done. Look, I think this is a really strong draft, and um, it's strong at a couple positions. It's strong at wide receiver, Drake London, Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, Traylon Burks, you know, a couple other guys. Um, it's strong at defensive end, really defensive line. You've got all these defensive end, pass rushers, and then you got some interior linemen that are really good. And then you've got some pretty good corners, so I, secondary players. So I think... If the Saints are looking, if their Saints are saying we want to compete this year, at least to make the playoffs, let's and we think we're going to be good moving forward next year. We're going to keep building. Let's get another first round pick this year. Let's get a a bit of a better pick in the later rounds. Uh, well, they did give away their front and first pick um, for next year's first. I mean, yeah, if I had to say somebody won the trade, it's probably the Eagles, but. I think if you have a plan and you want to get another first-round pick this year, then you've got the money to get the guaranteed money for that first-rounder. Why not do it? Or there's a player you really like that you're going to try to move up to get. Hey, go for it. I think the Eagles, come on. I mean, the Eagles, who have they drafted these last few years? Jalen Rager, Quez Watkins. Uh, uh, I mean, there's one guy that you're I mean, you're leaving out that – I think it's a pretty, yeah, pretty big stud. Yeah, Devontae Smith. They finally hit on somebody. I mean, you get Jalen Hurts, I think, in second. What was he? He was into the second the round. round. They were projecting him mid third, but he was into the second. So, I mean, realistically, I the Eagles have not drafted notoriously well. I do like Miles Sanders. I do like Devontae Smith. Right. If he could stay right. healthy, I like right? Devontae Smith. I really like Hurts. I don't think he's going to be the guy long term, but as a second round draft pick, I think he's been very, very good. Um, so, I don't know. the The Eagles were playing, you know, for the long game. They had three first round picks this year. Now they have two and an, two next year. Um, so I don't know. I like it um, for the Eagles a lot. Like I, I'm looking at, the, I'm pulling up the Eagles drafting uh, draft board these last few years, and I'm looking at these guys like, who of these guys have, who have they hit on? JJ Arcega Whiteside. I mean, in the second round, like he's good, but I mean he's he's not well, a second. All the guys that you're naming are, I mean, Davion Taylor, Kavon Wallace. Like who who are these guys? They're maybe they were like, you know, we're done screwing up in the draft. Let's get let's get rid of some of these picks. There's no. They probably should have drafted three times in the first round to make sure they don't miss well, anyone. All those guys that you're You can't miss three times, can you? Oh, like in man, the first I hope in not. one year? Um I don't know. I think even with those two picks, they're gonna be able to address the needs that they have. Um 
some of the boards I've seen have uh, Nicobe Dean dropping um, to them later at like 18. Um, he's been dropping a little bit. Um, so I think they'll, because they definitely need a linebacker, they need some secondary help. They, you know, they, they have some holes that they need to fill, but I, I like where they sit. Um, now, yes, I like Eagles. where the Eagles sit. I don't necessarily think that they are the most efficiently run organization. I don't think that they draft particularly well, but if they were a team that drafted well, they'd be in a great situation right now. And look, they obviously as a Cowboys fan, I love dragging the Eagles through the mud. It's been beautiful seeing them just struggle. But and, and I say struggle, they made the playoffs. But uh, look, I think they probably they probably the Eagles are historically, and I say historically, at least the last fifteen years since twenty years since I've been really following. They like to make yeah. trades in the draft. They like to trade. They like to trade down. They like to trade back. They like to trade picks. They like to move right. up. They, they and like I can to respect that. And I think sometimes, I think sometimes you do that too much, and it's like you don't even really have a plan. You're just kind of saying, you know what? I think we can make a good deal here. A deal here to packages for a first, but I don't know. It seems like kicking the kicking the can down the road. It could be a financial thing. They don't want to pay three yeah. first-round picks in in the same year. You know, push some of that financial burden down the road. Well, and say you do hit on three first-round picks and you go all five years with their rookie contracts, then you got to pay them all at the same yeah. time. So I like that. I like that thought process as well. Exactly. Um, yeah. I guess if you are, if you are the Saints right now, what are you doing? Are you looking getting on the phone trying to move up? Are you trying to is there one guy that you think that the Saints are like, we got to go get him? Or do you think they wait? And I guess who do you think that they go for if they wait? Well, I, I think if I'm the Saints and I can snag um, – well, they, they lose Taron Armstead. They lose Marcus Williams. So Malcolm Jenkins retires. I think um, I guess if they're going to roll with Jameis then you don't get a quarterback but if I'm the Saints I'm looking for a quarterback uh, yeah. although I think next year I do too that's why I don't that's why I don't like giving up the first next year but I don't I don't but I don't see the Saints being in that top five right. next year in the draft unless they start trading all their best players and moving off of them kind of tanking I don't see the Saints finishing in the bottom five and getting CJ Stroud which we won't talk about that but I'm not sure CJ Stroud's a guy I don't think any Ohio State quarterback anyway, ever is going to be um, Ohio State fans are going to kill me for that but uh, <laughs> Bryce Young who I think is a stud We'll see. I didn't really give you an answer because I think the Saints have a lot of needs, like you said. Right. Michael Thomas, who knows about his health? Camara, yeah. who knows about I, him? Not a great offensive line class, although there are some I, good guys I, in there. I think that if I'm the Saints... It's a lot of needs. Best player available, 
Take the best two players available. That's, my uh, that's a little bit of a cop out, but I'll give it to you. Um, there's two guys that I'm. If I'm sitting at 16 and 19, there's two guys that I'm targeting. That's Trevor Penning from Northern Iowa and Chris Olave from Ohio State. The tackle. Center. Chris Olave. You don't think he'll be there, there at 16? Well, we'll have to find out next week when we do our mock draft 2.0. But that's those are. I think I think Chris Olave could be the third receiver off the. Board. Yeah, I, I could see that. Could be. Um, I think he's the third receiver off the board at 16. Little insight to my mock, but. Uh, the, Couple, couple Ohio State receivers out yep. there for So I, I like the tackle from Northern Iowa, Trevor Penning. Um, I think that uh, he's a little coming in a little underrated, had a great senior week, had a great senior bowl, um, really moved up the, the draft board a lot. I think he'll be available, and I, we'll, we'll see about Alave, but uh, I think cheering up the offensive line and getting another stud receiver because there's quite a few stud receivers out there this year. Um, I could see that being a uh, – a good move for them. You know, I I could see a lot of they being there in 16. I probably spoke too soon. I think it depends on what teams think about Jamison Williams. Um, if you're looking at Jamison Williams, Chris Olave, I would take Jamison Williams. I think he's just a little more. I like Jamison Williams a little more, um, but I think you can't lose with both of those guys. There's honestly five wide receivers in this class that I would be happy with. Really four that I would be ecstatic with. And then there's really five that I, well, I think could be legitimate 1,000-yard I've receivers. got more than five that I think could be legitimate 1,000-yard uh, receivers, depending on what quarterback they go to. Um, that's another big big thing. Going to Jameis, he likes to air it out, so you got to get a burner, let him run under it. James is not afraid. No, he's not, but he'll also get those 30 touchdowns. Uh, I'm interested to see if the Saints try to move up and get Kenny Pickett. I I think if they sit where they're at, they'll get Kenny Pickett if they want him. I think he... You think he'll drop the 16? Yeah, I think he drops into the 20s. Yeah, I'm interested to hear your mock. I, I, I don't, I don't. I was looking at some, some of the film, some of the, and I say film, <laughs> you know, YouTube highlights, uh, and uh, some of the stats and some of the metrics from combine, pro day, all of that stuff. And man, when you when you break these things, that Kenny Pickett, his his metrics are really second to none if you look at consistency across the board. Short passing, deep passing, medium range passing, um, accuracy, passing under pressure, consistency, percentage, completion percent. Kenny Pickett, he really stands out in this group. Now, Malik Willis is going to jump off the page in terms of measurables and physical skills and some of those big arm things, numbers that people like to see throwing out routes. But questions about his accuracy, probably more questions than even Josh Allen had. Um, I can't see somebody taking Kenny Pickett well, 
I guess my argument here is, if you're taking, if you're taking Kenny Pickett, you've got to think that you're playing to win now. If you're taking Malik Willis, you're understanding that the the ceiling's a lot higher, but you might have to give it a couple years to to groom it to make sure that that is actually going going to happen. If you go with Kenny Pickett, it's more of a. That's why I think the Saints would be a good fit for Kenny Pickett. Because if you could just plug and play Kenny Pickett into that offense, you put him with a couple good receivers. If you get Kenny Pickett and a Drake London or Kenny Pickett and uh, Jameson Williams or Traylon Burks or you know any of these guys, um, I think that he'll succeed. You put Kenny Pick, you put Kenny Pickett on I mean, a team like the Falcons. I think he's going to struggle. I think he's going to do terrible. Because who's their running back is Cordero Patterson. Their best receiver is, is suspended all year. Hey, Kyle see. Pitts is about the only guy I know that they have left to throw the ball to. Yep. Yeah, but I, I mean, I think Atlanta takes a, probably takes a quarterback. Um, Carolina probably... I mean, see, probably I think that Kenny Pitt... I think um, I think Kenny Pickett and Sam Darnold are too similar for them to take Kenny Pickett at number six. Coming out of college, I feel like Sam Darnold was had a, some of the same things said about him that Kenny Pickett is, has said about Kenny Pickett. Uh, I think that if they are going to go quarterback, they're going to try to do Cam Newton 2.0, go Malik Willis. I, I feel like Cam had accuracy questions, especially towards the end. But he's mobile. You put him with Christian McCaffrey if McCaffrey's healthy. I think that that's just a home run. Yeah, I, I I disagree with the comp of Cam to, to, to Willis. I think Cam, big program, spotlight, went won the national championship, physical runner, um, questions about his accuracy, absolutely. But, I mean, kind of a one-year really exploded onto the scene, Malik Willis. Yeah, and I'm not saying whether or not I think Malik Willis is... He's, I, I don't think he's going to win an MVP and go to the Super Bowl like so Cam. But here, here's the main reason for my comp. Where did Cam Newton play before he played at Auburn? He played at Juco. So Malik Willis never made it to a a big program like Cam Newton did. But had he, you know, entered the transfer portal, the almighty transfer portal, then, you know, who knows where he could have ended up. He could have ended up at, uh, you know, Michigan, Ohio State. You know, he could have led one of these teams to a national championship. He could have won a Heisman. I, I see a big comparison to Cam Newton. Uh, That's just me. Okay. All right. Hey. But. Okay. Uh, I haven't heard that comp yet, but I uh, I like it. I like you going out on a limb with comparing Malik Willis to Superman. So, well, that does it for our show today. Uh, concluding that segment, I think Eagles won the trade. Anthony's not so sure, uh, but. 
they will. They if spanked I had them. It, sure, they won the trade. But I, to me, this was like a. I kind of like looked at it and moved on. It didn't like middle first round picks, next year first, second, 2024. Eh. Right. Okay. Not groundbreaking, but Cam says. Spanked the them. Eagles just mopped the floor. Thanks for listening to this week of Bench Bums. We'll be back next week with our Mock Draft 2.0. We'll both break down our Mock Drafts, explain why we have players going where we do. Uh, Could get interesting. My Mock Draft has changed quite a bit since the first one. Uh, Can't wait for next week. It's going to be a fun show. See you guys next week.